Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast, where we discuss films from every genre. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Today we are discussing Chappie, the third film by Neil Blomkamp. I am your co-host, Corbin. I'm Alan from Chicagoland. Chappie was released March 6, 2015. It was written by Neil Blomkamp, and his wife is returning from District 9, Terry Thatchell. Uh, the film stars De- Dev Patel, I believe is how you pronounce it, who is from the Life of Pi fame, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Charlto Copley is back for the third time playing Chappie through the magic of motion capture. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I was wondering where he was in this movie. I figured he was somewhere. Yes. It's really cool to see uh, the side-by-side of him and then like the Chappie robot next to him doing the motion capture. I mean, this guy's versatile. He's up for anything. Right. I was kind of wondering if it was the uh, the guy who did the mocap was possibly Andy Serkis because I know he does like everything mocap now and he's like the master uh Sigourney Weaver Hugh Jackman uh I guess the two gangsters are they went by the real names in the movie uh Ninja and Yolandi Yolandi Visser interesting uh, they are actually South African rappers uh you do hear their music throughout the movie okay uh, that's them rapping in some of those scenes and they really liked what Neil Blomkamp did with District 9. That's why. And they talked to him about it. He said, you guys are pretty cool and eccentric, so why not be in my movie? And it worked well. I thought <laughs> it worked pretty well. Interesting. I didn't know. I thought those were just regular actors. I didn't know they were, like, real. They're just South African yeah. rappers who really liked it. And he's like, yeah, you guys would be perfect for my movie. That's interesting. Wow. Yes. Along with Jose Pablo Cantillo returning... Uh, as a gangster again, he was in Elysium, except he was way tatted up and, uh, he had more of a minor role. Right. He was a part of the heist. He helped put the mech suit on Matt Damon and died in the heist. Uh, I was shocked to see two big stars in here, Sigourney Weaver and Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I saw their names on the top billing on IMDb and I was like, that's interesting because the last couple of movies as well, the Elysium only really had one big actor, and that was Matt Damon. And District yes. Nine didn't really have too big of an act, too big of actors into it, in it. But this one, it kind of goes to show that um, Neil Blumkamp is really getting up there in fame and stuff, and he's now able has a lot more money to hire these more well known actors into this movie. Yes, that's true. I was very intrigued to see Sigourney Weaver in here. Because I would like to discuss this more so at the end of the podcast, but Neil Blomkamp, within the past, I don't know, year and a half, was in talks to create an alien film that would see Sigourney Weaver coming back. Now, I'll discuss that later, but I said, aha, so he's, I I forgot he had worked with Sigourney Weaver before. Right. But do you know who the composer of the music is, Alan? I actually looked it up because I thought it sounded somewhat familiar. Hans Zimmer came for the music this time. Yes, very interesting choice of Hans Zimmer. And I could tell it was Zimmer. Uh, We'll get into the score later. Yeah, we will. But you can definitely tell it's Zimmer from uh, some of the more recent things he's done. It had kind of a little similar to Interstellar, maybe a little bit Batman v Superman in there. Um, Just kind of this loud 
stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, especially this kind of reminds me of uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, that soundtrack, because that was yes. where he really started dabbling in more dubstepy kind of scores. So I really caught that here in Chappie, that, that Hans and Reese style of music. Chappie has a 6.8 on IMDb. That's kind of a uh, middle ground. It's middle ground, but we should look back and see, just to refresh listeners and refresh our memory, uh, where this is coming from. So, originally, District 9, his first film, holds an 8. Yeah, which is crazy. Yes. Elysium has a 6.6. Right. And if you remember correctly, District 9 had... Uh, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, Elysium dropped to a 67, and Chappie has a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa, are you serious? I am dead serious, with an audience score of 56%, which that audience score is closer to Elysium, but a 32% of critics recommended it, an average rating of 4.9 out of 10. Yikes, I didn't know it was that low. I guess it kind of goes to show that critics did not like this one, like at all. <laughs> Apparently critics, uh, 140 critics gave it a rotten, uh, 66 gave it fresh. Therefore, it's a 32%, which is incredibly right. bad. Chappie boasts, the critic consensus says, Chappie boasts more of the big ideas and visual panache that director Neil Blomkamp has become known for, and sadly more of the narrative shortcomings. Well, we'll get into that whether we agree with that or not. Yeah, we will. Chappie's budget was reduced significantly from Elysium's budget. And I think that's because of Elysium's poor box office returns. Elysium, well, okay, District 9 had a fairly small budget. If we remember correctly, District 9 had a budget of $30 million. For Especially for a first-time director, though, that's good. Yes, but Elysium's budget jumped up to 115, and now Chappie's budget jumped back down to uh, 49 million. But it should be noted that what they do with the budget, I don't really see why they would need a bigger budget. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to say, is that they have 49 million dollars, but I think it was well spent. Right, and it should be noted that since Elysium, it had been about two years... I don't know, two and a half, somewhere around there. Right. Um, maybe a little less. But that that is a lot less of a wait because it took about four years from District 9 to get to Elysium. So I did cut down on that time. Uh, I would say this visually, it's not as ambitious as Elysium was. In fact, I think I'll, the opening to this movie and a lot of other things really reminded me of District 9. So yes. I wonder if Blumkamp was kind of going back to District 9 and how successful that was for him. Right. I kind of thought the same thing. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, yeah. The domestic gross for this movie did not make back the budget, which is bad when you can't make back $49 million. The domestic gross, $31.5 million. Yikes. That's not good. That is really not good. A foreign gross of $70 million with a worldwide total of $102 million. So it didn't even make back what Elysium made. No, Elysium, yeah, the it didn't even get to the budget of Elysium. <laughs> Man. Well, Elysium's worldwide good. total was 286, 
And yeah. we've discussed this before. If the audience didn't like the movie, then the sequel or whatever comes next is normally not going to do as well. Or if they really right. liked it, then it's normally going to do better. So those numbers do make sense, I guess. Yeah. And I know that we talked about this in the last podcast. Uh, I know I brought up Rambo, how the first one, everyone loved the first one. So when the sequel came out, it made a crap ton of money. But then because of how kind of poor the sequel was, when the third one came out, that third one made made very little compared to its uh, predecessors. So yeah, like you said, it's just kind of like a normal trend. It should be noted that Chappie was number one to opening weekend, but that's because there was absolutely no competition whatsoever. Right. Um, anything that was good had already been out in the theater for nearly a month. So everything else opening number one that weekend, uh, something about exotic marigolds, I don't know. Right. That kind of, this, the same thing happened with Elysium too. It came out at a good time where normally, well, it came out at a good time where a lot of the big movies have already been in the box office for a, a few weeks at least. So it had a great run. So, right. Yeah. Well, the opening weekend was 13 million, which nice. is pretty low. That's, yeah, that's pretty low. Well, Elise, uh, Chappie has, it's the second highest budget, like we said. This is the longest movie of all three. Yeah. Uh, not by much. About uh, District 9. It out, outruns District 9 by 7 minutes and Elysium by 11 minutes. Uh, they're all rated R. Uh, Neil Blomkamp really loves his R rating. They all look relatively the same as well. They do. With the, with the style that Blomkamp has. Yes, they do. And we'll, I think I have some I have some things I want to say about the style when we get into the actual movie okay i was surprised to see this one said uh brief nudity in it i i thought what could possibly be brief nudity and it was this weird uh scene where they're coming up to the king this drug kingpin which is actually the drug kingpin in the slums in district nine actually that's what i thought that's what i thought i didn't know if that was true or not but i figured i i had a feeling that that was what that was him again that's him and he's and he's just got some i guess porn on so for whatever reason we needed to see that i yeah it's very brief and i caught it i was like oh no but then it was gone after that so kind of easily missed but it is there but at the same time it's kind of not easily missed so it's kind of jarring right. at first because you're like not expecting it right oh, oh okay uh all of neil blancamp's movies have dropped over 50 percent their second week in um which is normally not good but this one was the most it had a 57 percent drop the next week so yeah this movie did not do uh, very well uh, gross-wise, and it, this is the lowest-grossing worldwide movie by far. Uh, both other movies uh, cracked $200 million, and this barely cracked $100 million. So I, I think it's too bad that this movie yeah. didn't do as well. Uh, especially, it kind of frustrates me that Elysium did so much better like financially like so much better than Chappie right right yeah I it frustrates me a little bit too but I I think I understand why that happened because Elysium was kind of a not really liked by audiences or critics 
So when the next, you know, Bumcamp movie came out, and it looks very similar to Elysium, and they're, the audience is probably just like, oh, I think I'll pass on this one. So that's why it, probably why it didn't make up nearly as much money as Elysium or District 9 did. So I want to talk about the trailer for just a second. Based upon the trailer, if this is all you have seen so far, does the trailer make you want to go see the movie? investigate further see a little more or is the trailer a total turnoff yeah this was a kind of an odd trailer because after watching the movie the trailer is a little a little bit misleading because it puts it off more as like an action movie but that aside um yeah i think this movie does sound does kind of leave a lot of intrigue to me that it's about this robot who has consciousness who's going to uh from the trailer at least it's going to uh, fight this, fight the moose, and and stuff like that that we see being deployed later. It definitely, ha- it definitely um, weighs heavy on the action side of the movie. When in reality, there's it's more of a drama. But yeah, I would say yeah, it does. It looks intriguing. I'd probably go see it. I thought the exact same thing. The trailer makes the movie out to be a lot more epic than and a lot uh, and on a lot bigger scale. This movie is a very, I would say, a a pretty focused movie. Uh, Yeah, just kind of about one character and pretty much one central uh, plot, I guess that makes sense. Whereas this makes it look like a big epic journey. It says, the director of District 9 invites you on a journey of one robot's journey or whatever and lots of action in the trailer. So, uh, yeah, the trailer looks really cool. It does make it look to be this big, epic action movie and uh, kind of this tender-hearted movie at the same time almost where there's, I don't know, getting to know this robot, which we've seen in other movies like uh, Her and the one with Frank Langella that I can't remember right now, but you can go look it up, listener. Um, just kind of this more tender-hearted, like we're we're on this intimate relationship with this robot, you know. All the gangsters seem fairly sweet in this trailer. Everybody seems fairly sweet, except the government and Hugh Jackman look a little crazy, like they're going to fight. Um, I do love the end when he says, I am conscious, I am alive, I am chappy. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of sums up the movie and that, that phrase that he has. But yeah, I kind of agree. It's pretty uh, pretty heavy on the action, Instead of what the movie's really about, which is a little bit more lighthearted and really more of a drama. Before I give the plot of Chappie, I want to make sure that all of you listeners know that we are going to spoil everything in Chappie. So from this point on, spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen Chappie and you do want to see it, then go ahead and pause the review right now. Go ahead and watch it and click play. It'll pick right back up where you left off. So I just want to emphasize that one more time. You are heading into spoiler territory. Chappie will be ruined for you. All of its wonderful secrets will be revealed. Right. Okay, so the premise of Chappie is fairly simple. Uh, We return to Johannesburg, South Africa. And this uh, company called Tetraval has created these robots with some kind of 
artificial intelligence, uh, not true artificial intelligence as they differentiate later in the movie, but just a degree of, I don't know, they're autonomous and are able to make decisions. And they're strictly used for the police force to crack down on violence. Essentially, it's a story about the police force from Elysium. Yeah, I did... I forgot about that. We do see those type of police robots in Elysium, don't we? They have a they have a similar design, but uh, these robots do look different. Honestly, I think they kind of look like uh, rabbits with rabbit ears. Anamorphic rabbits. So basically, uh, there is a the guy who designed these robots, played by uh, uh, Dev Patel. He is working on a program to create true artificial intelligence that basically thinks for itself, is self-aware, questions whether it has a soul, what's its place in the universe, does it go to heaven, he is really wondering how that that works, and so he uh, steals a robot to insert it in the robot, but little does he know that there's these gangsters, and the, uh, they're really eccentric gangsters, they kidnap him, and then they use the robot to uh to to do a heist but there's a lot of moral issues involved with that and Hugh Jackman's character is jealous to the extreme so much so that he's going to sabotage uh all the robots and pretty much the well-being of Johannesburg and let it go into chaos so he can be the hero and save the day we'll talk about that yeah with his rival tech which he calls the moose so, and then, yeah, there's lots of questions about the meaning of life and what do we constitute as a person and what about life. So, yes, Neil Blomkamp is once again, uh, thankfully, I really think he's left a lot of political issues out of it. Yeah. He's focusing more on the story, but he is, in classic Neil Blomkamp fashion, tackling a big issue in today's society. Whether, I don't know, that works or not, we'll get into it. But that's the basic plot of Chappie. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward, to to be honest with you. Yes, it's a it's a fairly simple movie. Yeah. But let's jump into it. Uh, I did think it was interesting that we begin with a District Nine style documentary. Yeah, no, this reminded me. In fact, the first thing in my notes in my notes is very much like District Nine, and it kind of shows the robot policeman and everything like that. It is very. It, like I said before, it's kind of going back to its roots. Neil Blomkamp is with District 9 and that kind of documentary style at the beginning. And something else that the opening notes that I totally forget about in the end is the documentary style type things. Uh, that takes place a year and a half afterwards because there's like a little subtitle that comes up on the screen and it says 18 months earlier. Okay, but it doesn't feel like the passage of a year and a half. It really doesn't. It's really weird they chose to insert that. That something doesn't seem right there. I I totally forgot because honestly, this seems more like, I don't know, uh, over the course of a month or something. Right. Um, And that just doesn't work because we know Chappie's robot like battery is about to die. So he couldn't have been doing this for a year and a half. Right. And I know know that they mentioned the time... The time span for the batteries is like, what, five days or something like that? For Chappie, because his battery was like fused to the chassis, so they couldn't like replace it. Oh, okay. And so he is he's going to die. But I guess probably the movie itself takes place over, I'll say like one to two months, maybe. 
but what when we come to Chappie, then yeah, that only takes place over like a week, maybe I don't know, something like that. And then and then like a year and a half later, they jump and start doing a documentary over these Chappies, yeah. I guess, that have taken over or something, manufactured the machines of manufacturing themselves. This is creating too much more confusion than it needs to. Yeah, th- this is where I got confused because it said five days for Chappie. I thought it meant five days for all the robots, and I kind of get a little bit confused because I was just like, then what's the point of having the robots, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that makes a lot more sense then to me because although at the same time, this movie kind of seems a bit far-fetched to have everything that happens happen in five days. Well, that's why it seems like it more so takes place over at least a month. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Some there's, I think there's some real timeline timeline issues with this movie. Yeah. But anyways, uh, I'm really liking the opening sequence. Same. Uh, the music sounds awesome. These robots look boss. Uh, when they're doing the slow motion with, you know, all this chaos is going on. The police robots are standing there with their guns and we got this music blaring, you know, and the Chappie logo comes up. I'm like, okay, I'm in. I'm digging it. I'm ready. Right. Right. This actually really reminded me of Call of Duty, this opening did. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I wonder if one influenced the other. I mean, they guess the change in Call of Duty really came a few years before this. Well, I kind of said that in the last podcast. Uh, a lot of the stuff yeah, in Elysium right. was very much kind of Call of Duty, Advanced Warfare, or yeah. whatever it was with their, you know, futuristic weapons and suits and machines and vehicles. I'm like, this is very much like a Call of Duty movie, I guess, as close as we could get, probably. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. And uh, we have quite a bit of, I guess, exposition where it's explaining... Who the characters are, what their role is in the company, who they're going to be, uh, what this Tetraval is all about. And I did want to note that Hugh Jackman's um, creation, it's called The Moose. And I'm pretty sure that design is like directly lifted out of RoboCop. See, I haven't seen RoboCop, so I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> you, have you seen the remake? No. Okay. Well, I have not seen the original. Okay, listeners, sorry, I haven't seen it. Don't hate me for it, but I will eventually, maybe a retrospective someday. That'd be interesting. Yeah, that would be. But I have seen the remake, and I did Google images. I mean, I've seen clips of the original, and I said, okay, this style is fairly uh, familiar, uh, and it might not be just germane to RoboCop. It could be in other science fiction things also. So I, I was uh, intrigued by that design choice. It loosely reminded me of the robot from Ghost in the Shell. The one yeah. that... You mean the anime? Yeah, the anime. Yeah, when she the one that's kind of protecting the car, and she has to get up on top of it and rip off the shell. It reminded me somewhat of that, kind of loosely, though. I could see that, yeah. I think, I don't know, all these robot designs that are these, like, two-legged walking things. I mean, we could even probably draw a comparison with the... What are they? The AT-ATs? ATATs? ATSTs? I I love Star Wars, but I don't know the names that well. Yeah. Um, you know, those two-legged walking things. Yeah, that'd be the ATST. Like I said, we know we get to know all of the characters. And, ah, something else that should be noted is uh, one of the kind of tech engineers that we, uh, that Dave Patel's character 
uh, Dion, Dion Wilson looks, uh, talks to a couple times. Uh, he is the guy who did the motion capture work for Christopher Johnson. And he was also one of like the, I don't know, professor guys they interviewed a couple times in district nine. So, Oh, interesting. He was one of like the factory workers. Okay. Interesting. So there are a few returning actors with Blomkamp, like almost every other director. Yes. I did find that to be interesting. Interesting. Did you find it kind of scary to see robots with guns? Not really. Because I remember seeing Elysium had these robots and they were kind of explaining this somewhat AI-ish brain that they have. But I had a few questions about, about how they were made because I know it's not AI and that they're kind of programmed to do things. But I guess my biggest question would be, how do they know what what would be considered right or wrong? Because I know with a human, it kind of really depends on the situation. So I, I, I guess I'm kind of just curious about the... Uh, I know that the movie kind of gets into the consciousness and things like that when they create Chappie. But I guess what I'm, what I'm really curious about is the morality of these robots. Yeah, that's a totally valid question. And I was thinking the exact same thing. Because we get our first major fight scene, which I think is pretty exciting. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, when these police robots are engaging these gangsters. And one of, this main guy is wild looking. Uh, these people yeah. are just wild, so wild and eccentric. And I thought the same thing too because I thought, okay, well, how do they know when to shoot, when not to shoot? What's the difference between killing and murdering? Right. Uh, do we take them alive? Do we not? So I was thinking the same thing too. I don't know how you program that into a robot because honestly that is a big moral issue. And I believe that is something that uh, Hugh Jackman's character brings up, albeit yeah. fairly briefly. It's really not touched upon that much when he says, well, the moose is controlled by a human with you know, a sense of right and wrong and a brain and a moral compass, I guess, to operate it. It's not just some robot you know, running out right. and... I don't know, can't discern between uh, taking a life or not. So that is something that is a really good question, but I don't think the movie explores it very well. And that's kind of something Neil Blanc is, Blancamp has been uh, famous for, as we've seen. He kind of brings up these issues and doesn't really go into depth with them. He just kind of yeah. glosses over them, which yeah. they're important issues, but you got to offer some substantial reasoning to, right. I, I don't know substantiate them i guess right no yeah and i totally agree with that because this movie especially it has some really interesting ideas and really interesting scenes and but it doesn't really push itself to go that extra mile where it really sinks in the gravity of the situation i think one of my prime examples is later on in the film when mother i forget her name but the mom is talking to chappy and she starts kind of mentioning death and then goes on to religion and uh, starts mentioning that and how the body kind of moves on to a better place. And then Chappie kind of gets, Chappie kind of gets a bit curious about that, but then they just move on from that and go into a different situation. And so it's kind of just frustrating. This movie doesn't push itself that extra mile, you know, to really explain what exactly that would be to Chappie, who's programmed to learn really quickly and is a robot after all, but still has that consciousness to him which is what Dion makes at the beginning is that consciousness file for the AI and stuff like that. So I wish this is one of my bigger criticisms is that being a guy who really likes to think during his movies, this was kind of a letdown just to not have that substance 
that I wish that I think should have been there. So yeah, and like you said, it 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 also kind of reminded me too the when it comes to um, the policeman and how what you're talking about. It also kind of reminds me of the self-driving cars and how there's big dilemma when it comes to uh, say there's an obstruction in your way. There are two people crossing the road, and the car has to make a decision. Where usually it would swerve out of the way so it doesn't hit him, but let's say it had a situation where two people were were in front of it, and then the only way you could swerve out of the way is to hit a person, one hit one person on the other side, and it, the question is, what would this, what would the car do? Um, so I, it's kind of like it kind of reminds me of that. That's kind of a thing for this for this movie. Sure, that makes sense, and I would agree that this movie is kind of more about the visuals and more of like a fun plot than exploring those deeper issues like it brings it up a lot um yeah. i will say right now that i i like this movie a lot better than elysium because elysium felt incredibly sloppy and it was trying to balance too many issues and almost no answers whereas this is really looking at one issue that of artificial intelligence how far should we go with it? What does that mean for the future? You know, what does that mean for, I guess, kind of the soul? Does this thing have a soul? Yeah. And they talk about that later. Like, yeah, like, you, Chappie, you know, you'll, when you die, you'll go to the other place. And it's like, will you really? Because Ninja's like, now you're just going to die. And he's like, right. you just, or no, I'm sorry. Hugh Jackman is like, you just got a program inside your head to make you think you're real. But it's hard not to empathize with him and be like, no, he seems real to me. It's. It's a weird question, and we, we actually discuss this a lot in my class, uh, Theology and Science Fiction. It's a big issue, and I think it's going to become a bigger issue in the coming years. But honestly, I think movies that do handle it better are Ghost in the Shell and uh, the Ghost in the Shell TV series, because they really explore those those issues, I think. I also want to bring up how Blade Runner-esque this plot is as well. Oh, Blade Runner brings it up too. It does better too. Yeah. And yeah, Blue like you said, definitely does a better job at bringing this kind of an issue up and talking about it. And I think it works a lot better in Blade Runner because they're biologically looking like a human, but they're not real humans because they're synthetic. They were made synthetically. Yeah. So it's, it wasn't made, they weren't made naturally. So in this case, it's a robot, which I think, which still kind of works for the situation. But, it, but Blade Runner more or less focuses itself on what it means to be human versus life in general, which is kind of what Chappie focuses on. But the problem with Chappie though, is that since it, since it doesn't have that focus on just a central issue, like blood, like Blade Runner does, or maybe even ghost in the show that just is able to handle that kind of a situation better. It kind of comes off as because everything, because everything it talks about and then what it actually does end up talking about, which is kind of shallow. It kind of comes off as eh. it doesn't really have, that weight to it that those other movies do, which is, I find kind of disappointing to be honest with you. Yes. And something else, uh, since we're, we're talking about this now that I think I should bring up, there's a line in the movie where he says they're talking about like con like a consciousness, what's consciousness. And Dion is like, we don't know Chappie. We don't know what consciousness is. And I'm thinking, are are you sure? Because you seem to have just created it, at least in Chappie. Like, you're Chappie's creator. You've somehow been able to quantify it and right. let it manifest itself in a 
creature that's clearly conscious. So I, 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 th- I found that to be kind of a kind of a poor excuse. Like if you're going to go this far, I mean, I understand this is fiction, and it's not real right now anyway. Don't like go that far and like establish this premise and be like, we don't have any answers. <laughs> we don't know. Right. And I'm thinking, what? But that's contradicting, it seems like. There are some a bunch of contradictions in this movie, the more that I think about it. And to be fair, this movie is not going for that, that super deep philosophical uh, meaning behind it. All but at the same time, it hints at that. but And it kind of teases us with that, but then never goes there. Which I think is kind of the biggest letdown. Is that, yes, it's fine to have a movie that's kind of lighthearted. That still asks these questions, you know. And just kind of be a fun movie. But at the same time, I think this movie just takes one step too far. Where they should have gone farther with what they're trying to say. I totally agree. I do honestly think, though, that what we see with these police robots, at least, is is the future. Because I think this is how future wars will be fought. Instead of, like, actual humans on the ground, um, it's going to be robots. Now, whether they're controlled or not, I mean, we're already doing this with drones. We're doing this with flying robots, uh, fighting wars with flying robots. So I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have boots on the ground with this. Uh, there's a Bruce Willis movie. It's called Surrogate. I can't really recommend it or not because I don't remember how well it was. But I do remember they kind of tapped into that where, you know, they would like connect their minds to these machines and it would be like machines running out there and fighting. Uh, right. So that that kind of reminds me of that. But I'm like, this is definitely it because these robots are bulletproof. I guess if they get hit by a grenade launcher, they're done. But, you know, at least it's not the loss of human life. Right, and I know that the movie Nine also kind of brings this up where robots have gotten so advanced that they have become the primary source of warfare. And so the problem with Nine is that the robots, once they were used for warfare and that AI then ended up turning on the humans and so the robots obliterated humanity. So that's kind of a darker a darker side of AI and using robots for warfare as well, just to kind of make that connection. I did think it was funny when Dion said, I have several terabytes of of like work to convert or do or something. I'm like, that's going to take forever. Yeah, this movie is, is kind of undisclosed as to how far in the future it is. Obviously, it's far enough where AI is a thing, but it doesn't really give us a date as to how far it seems It seems like is. the very not too distant future. Yeah, it definitely feels a lot more modern. It looks really modern to me yeah um, i guess tech talking about like some of the technical aspects i noticed i i don't feel like the soundtrack totally fit there were times where it really did fit but then i was like eh, this i don't know it seemed like it was trying too hard honestly in my own opinion uh han zimmer lately has been a bit more bland than i yeah. wish he would be he's got now it's not to say he's bad and he's still got some really good stuff that he pumps out um but i think that He's maybe it's just because he's been overworked because he does like almost every movie now. He scores almost everything, which is surprising. And I think that his latest work, which is Dunkirk, I think that one's also really good. It's very, it's very good if you're a Hans Zimmer fan. Batman v Superman was bland. Yes, Batman v Superman was pretty bland. I also think that Interstellar was is very, very good in terms of ambient sound, and it has a, a lot of crescendos and decrescendos. But there are tracks on that on the normal and deluxe CDs 
um, that are kind of repeats, and the best ones are not on, are on CDs or on or on editions that are kind of hard to get to. So I wish that Hans Zimmer would kind of go back to his roots where he was really good at all the stuff that he used to do because now he's kind of gotten bland and maybe that's just because he's been overworked. But, and like I said, there are times in this movie when the where the score does work and I think it works really well for Hans Zimmer's style. But then there are times like you said, where it kind of is a, is a disconnect. Sure. I, I, I can see that. Uh, I do also feel that honestly, Sigourney Weaver's acting is kind of meh, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I kind of want to talk about her character a little bit later because we're not really into characters just yet. But yeah, I agree. She's got, I think she could have done a a much better job in this one. Yes, I think that too. And I'll save my comments for Hugh Jackman for just a little bit. Same. (laughs) But but, uh, the plot, otherwise the plot is very similar. Well, okay, I thought it was, this was also similar to District 9 because we get the ambush where they want to yeah. steal something. I'm like, okay, this is just like District 9, except it's way quicker. Oh, I'm sorry, Elysium, not District 9. I'm sorry, Elysium. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. Blomkamp has a very interesting sense of style when he comes to action. And the outside, it looks as like it's like a normal action movie. But when you, like, if you watch the film up to that point, it makes a lot more sense. So I think, yeah, the the action, especially this thing that you're talking about, is definitely Elysium-esque. I think that that actually really works for this movie. little piece of trivia uh, the gangster, I'm uh, pretty sure it's Ninja, before he hits uh, Dion over the head, says, Welcome to Joburg, which is one of Blancamp's uh, more famous short films that kind of helped put him on the map, which we did talk about in our District 9 uh, podcast. So if you want to know a little bit more about that, go listen to that podcast. But I kind of want to talk about the main character for a second, because... Chappie or Dion? Well, not Chappie, so I meant to say the other... Dion is what I meant. I guess that kind of just goes to show what kind of issues I have with them, because I don't know who the main character is for half of this movie. It kind of switches between Chappie and Dion, yeah. and then there are times when Dion just disappears for like 45 minutes of the movie, and he <laughs> kind of somewhat shows up. And Anyways, I... So... Dion, I he confuses me because he's supposed to be really, really smart, but he makes some really stupid decisions. I thought that too. Yeah, like in terms of he has this consciousness that he made this file. And later I also want to talk about some of the technical aspects in terms of like computer science-y things because there are some things I do kind of want to talk about about that because they don't exactly serve it the best, but... I think that Dion, for supposed to be as smart as he's coming off as in the, in the opening, he makes really dumb decisions. Some examples of that is when he talks to uh, Sigourney Weaver's character and says, I have made this possibly conscious as AI, and she kind of brushes him off. And so he decides, well, fine then. So he takes Scout 22, which was blown up, which was blown up in the beginning and was decommissioned for uh, for crushing uh, later on. And so, he's, and so he is able to break in and take... Scout 22, and then, which is normal, I, I, that's fine, but then he takes the security key, the only one that exists, and takes it home, or is going to take it home, and essentially build himself Chappie. And then, of course, the robber, the uh, criminals come in and they take Chappie and everything that he owns and kick him out, and then the security key is gone. I feel like that, that is an example of what I mean by just kind of making a really bad decision. And then later on, he doesn't even stand up for himself with his own creation trying to save Chappie. He kind of just scours off like a coward. And 
and stuff like that. It's, yeah. it's, I don't know. I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of his character. I think that they could have written him a lot better than what the final product was. Yeah, it is kind of confusing because we do focus on him quite a bit in the beginning, but then he, yeah. he is brushed aside, which is kind of odd for a narrative to kind of take a, a preliminary character like that or a pivotal character and then kind of brush him off. But he does come back around in the end to, I guess, serve a, you know, more of a pivotal role in the movie. But I thought the same thing too. I also thought, why, why is he in like a cubicle if he's this, I don't know, I guess the smartest person ever? Right. That's exactly what I was saying. And plus, it also is making me sense that Sigourney Weaver's character brushes him off when he's proven himself that he's totally worthy or he's totally smart and has in that what he's going to make is going to change the the course of the police force or AI in this case because he he's the one who created the scout police force and that semi AI. She doesn't even want to hear it. Yeah, she doesn't even she doesn't even care. And it makes no sense that she would say that because he's proven himself to be very, very smart. Yeah, I mean this is the most groundbreaking innovation and possibly if not, you know, prop maybe the history of mankind to do something right. like this, achieve this, and, and she's just like, whatever, I don't care. So that that's a little unbelievable. With that, um, something else I think is unbelievable is that Hugh Jackman is constantly competing with these designs. Okay, why are they not trying to sell this moose to the military? Obviously, this works better when military operations, not on the streets. No, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's kind of far fetched. So stop trying to market it to the police force. Why aren't they marketing it to the military? I mean, he really this is shocking that they cannot get a military contract. Totally agree. Not only that, but Jackman's character is a nut in this movie. I guess ridiculous. Well, honestly, I do feel like Hugh Jackman is. Uh, kind of underserved in this movie because absolutely he's kind of like this third wheel side plot that it's kind of like the annoying b bug that keeps flying around where it's not really pivotal to the plot but he just keeps showing up and yeah he's totally off his rocker insane absolutely. and i don't know i'm just kind of like why is hugh jackman in this movie and honestly this is not his best performance i feel like his acting is pretty mediocre and it's just kind of odd, the whole situation with him. I absolutely agree with everything you just said. He doesn't do the greatest job in this movie. And part of that may, may even be due to the fact of what he's given to act, because it's kind of ridiculous, his character is. And he makes some really, really dumb decisions that are mind-boggling in this movie. Like, at the very end, when he decides that it's a good idea to shut down the entire police force... Just so, just so we can get his moose off the ground and prove himself. Like, there are so many things wrong with that. And I want to talk about that scene a bit later when I get into the technological aspects that I have an issue with. But not only that, but the guy is also kind of sadistic as well. Like, especially in this, this climax, he comes off as if he is just mad with power. And to a point where it almost kind of defeats his character in a way that it, like it go against, goes against his character. I kind of think he shouldn't be he should have been written out and the yeah. villain should have been f so forced on us. Yeah, he's kind of the atypical bad guy, no good qualities at all really. 
Uh, can't really yeah. feel for him in any way. Pretty one-dimensional. Well, even before the end scene, he is so mad about this whole circumstance. He pulls a gun in the middle of the office. I on know. Dion. And, and no one does anything about it either. Nobody, no repercussions. No repercussions for pulling a gun, and he pulls the trigger. You know, thank God that it's un, that it's not loaded. But I'm, I'm also like, okay, you're going to jail. You you can't just assault. It's like assault with a deadly weapon. You know, that's a yeah. serious crime. And I love how he like. It is funny though when he like jumps up and he's like. I'm just kidding, mate, you know, and he's like, church, anytime you want to go to church, you're welcome to come with me. And he's like, yeah. same goes for the whole office. You're all welcome to come to church with me. <laughs> and then everybody right. looks shocked and scared. And he's like, this office needs to lighten up. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, this kind of goes into the realm of security. Ironic. <laughs> yes. This company doesn't have any security. <laughs> at all because and this is kind of where i begin to rant about this movie and this is kind of where i think my one of my one of the issues because i am a computer science major and security is a big thing now of course with a bunch of data breaches coming up but let me just start from the beginning so all of the police force scouts are have this key in their brain essentially and the only thing that in the movie states this the only thing that can access their brain to make modifications or whatever uh, is this small little USB drive that only that one USB drive can be used for controlling the robots, right? And that's like their security concerns. Okay. Number one, why on earth would you use USB? Because that that device is so commonly used that anybody can spoof that device if they had the knowledge to, and they could manipulate the robots with that, saying that they were able to figure out how they actually were developed, and instead of the instead of maybe even using a proprietary kind of connection. The second part is they only have one, and it's on a physical medium, which is really dumb because if that physical medium were to someday just give out they have to make a new one but they can't because it only works with that one drive not to mention all the robots have the usb port in the back and and then we of course we also get to the point when hugh jackman decides that he's going to shut down the entire police force which is beyond reality for me and then you also have that dion is able to take the take this this key put it inside Chappie, and then is not until three days after he takes it, the security office calls Dion yeah. and says, hey, by the way, you took it a few days ago, and we kind of need it back. Three days after it was missing. Yeah. The security the security concerns in the movie, once again, are brought up after I mentioned them in Elysium. No, I, I totally agree. It's kind of funny how that works, where they're like, wait, it's gone, or, hey, it's come to our attention, this is gone, and... <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. he took it and did all this stuff with it. Right. And uh, one can make the argument, oh, but it's in the future and things are different. <laughs> but I don't buy that <laughs> because this movie doesn't take its time to explain things. Honestly, a lot of that concerning the Tetraval people is kind of background to the story, I feel, or it's secondary because, honestly, the real story deals with Chappie and the gangsters, which I... 
love because they're so eccentric. They're awesome. No, I totally agree. I think the gangsters in this movie are the best characters. And that's saying a lot because in for me personally, I think that almost every character in this movie is really dumb. But <laughs> at least with the criminals, it makes sense and it actually works. I, I just love I love their dialogue. There I think there's only um there are two I think major flaws with these characters that totally they totally betray themselves, betray the characters. I'll mention that in a minute, but I love their dialogue. Uh, I had to put the subtitles on because I did have some trouble understanding certain things, but I do recommend put the subtitles on because their dialogue is awesome. And I love when Chappie copies their dialogue. Yes. Um, yes. So, okay. As for Chappie, uh, I think the motion capture work is amazing. The CGI looks so real. Like you wouldn't even know, like I would assume that's real if I just saw it and didn't know any better. Now, I haven't seen War for the Planet of the Apes, but I've heard that that's also very good. But Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, it's almost like that kind of a style where it's at times you're just like, oh crap, is that real or is that CG? Yeah, the motion capture is awesome in this movie. The motion capture is brilliant. So uh, Charlotte Copley, uh, I think he does just an amazing job of imitations, of kind of like becoming a human. Like you can definitely see the evolution and progression so I just love that. Uh, the dialogue is awesome. I wrote down a couple lines. I don't want to go through all of them because I want you to enjoy those dialogue lines from them. But just the way they talk, I just, and even till still today, since I saw this movie a year ago, I'll be like, he's the illest gangster number one. <laughs> just love saying that. Uh, something I thought was really funny. Uh, this, this line actually comes from Dion. When Dion yells, at ninja he said he's smarter than you already you philistine let your creativity flourish chappy and then he like drives away i'm like who talks like that <laughs> yeah that kind of goes to my point of the main character kind of being a coward yeah okay and this is this is the first character flaw i feel okay i don't question that these people are like really bad but they're immediately like let's just cut his feet off and yeah. i'm like oh my gosh that that's how you, I don't know, oh my gosh, it just seemed a little too far from these colorful, kind of funny, goofy gangsters in a way. And then they're like, okay, this guy doesn't know anything. Let's just murder him now. And I'm thinking, what? So and the yeah. other character betrayal is actually in the very end when Ninja is ready to sacrifice himself for Dion. Because that crazy, the crazy gangster is like, give me a truck, I want it. And Ninja is like, run, Dion, run. I'll sacrifice myself for everyone. I'm thinking, no, that is not in your character. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he had some, like, crazy change of heart. But to sacrifice yourself for Dion, let Dion run and you take it on, that didn't work. Because they've been threatening this dude's life throughout the whole movie. And all of these threats are kind of empty because they're like, I'll cut you. I'll shoot you. You better not be back here. I'll kill you. And Dion is still able to like keep coming back and nothing really happens or they ignore him or they kind of like shove him. And so it's hard for me to really take him seriously. But then at the same time, they are ready to shoot anything and murder anything, it seems like. So the, I, even though I love these characters, there is some conflicting emotions for them that I think should have been tuned up in the storytelling and writing. Yeah, I, I agree. And... There are a couple of scenes, though, that I thought were really, really interesting. Of course, there's a very big theme in here of parenting 
And yeah. it seems that every character that has influenced Chappie has a very different mindset. Because Dion wants to teach Chappie more about uh, learning and things of the mind. Whereas the gangsters are more physical and what real life really is, you know, for them at least. And then Mom... I think the mother is one of the more interesting influences on Chappie because she definitely is more of his caretaker and really shows him uh, what kind of what it's like to have a mother. And so I think that every character in this movie impacts Chappie in a very good way, whether it be for the better or for the worse in terms of the actions that Chappie uh, does. But I think it's also very interesting that just because this movie is kind of, eh, it does. A, I think it does a really good job of parenting and like the different styles of parenting and the good and bad of all that. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I do say I, I really do feel that that is really manifested in Chappie. Like, how yeah. does that affect him as a person? What what kind of choices will he make based upon the different influences? So I was right. incredibly impressed with that. And there's one particular scene that I really wanted to talk about where uh, Yolandi is reading the bedtime story to Chappie in bed. Yes. Just the way yes. it's lit and shot and just the actual scene itself, it's incredibly bizarre to see this woman, this small woman reading a story to Chappie. I just, I just, I love this scene, actually. It's really amazing. Uh, the music really works. Also, when Chappie is discovering things, that, the score really, really works there. Yeah, no, I agree. This is one of my more favorite scenes of the movie just because this is when I, I mentioned this scene earlier when she begins talking to him about death and yeah. uh, beyond right and the things beyond death. This is, yeah, this I think is my favorite scene in the whole movie just because, like you said, this how it all kind of is constructed and how it all looks and stuff. Yeah, this is a great scene. Well, and I really love when she says, your soul goes to the next place. And yeah. even though Chappie can't, really make any expressions i mean we see kind of like these like pixelated dot eye expressions sometimes right. there's only in a couple scenes we don't see that here but we i can absolutely tell that chappy is contemplating it yeah i'm like okay that's amazing how well they captured that when chappy is like thinking about like i have a soul that goes to a next place and i'm alive and we hear Chappie say, like i am alive and i just love how he talks about himself in the third person like chappy has fears in Chappie's book, you know, <laughs> right. That's the real highlight of the movie is, I guess, Chappie, thankfully. Yeah. And I think that these scenes with Chappie learning, although they, I do feel that they are cut short, they do, they are still really interesting. And just because they're cut short doesn't mean that these scenes don't still work for what we're given. And this scene, I think one of my other favorite scenes is when Chappie paints the picture of the car with a paintbrush. And it's very clear that Yolandi is the mother and that Dion is the father. More or less, just, it's more or less them two as the, as the parents of Chappie. Yeah. And they're both influencing him in two different ways. But I think it's also very interesting because when he paints that picture of the car, it's very much like a printer. So it kind mm. of just goes mm -hmm. to show that Chappie not only has a consciousness and the fact that is he... Is he more human than human? As the main character Dion brings up, that it's that his consciousness, better than an actual human. This scene shows that Chappie is still very much a robot, and he's still 
artificial intelligence. I thought this is also a really great scene too. I, I thought the same thing, and I also thought that I put in my notes they're like they're kind of like divorced parents fighting over custody of the kid. Yeah, yeah. And I guess we could kind of view Ninja as possibly a stepfather who is intent on you know it's not really his kid, but he's intent on molding him his way. Right. You know, forget about your dad or your creator. You know, like this is how you act, and this is what you do. And I do think the the dynamic is captured very well, this kind of quadrilateral of, you know, relationships, I guess you could say. Um, I do want to talk about the scene where Ninja and whatever his name is, America, they drop Chappie off to teach him a lesson about the real world. And yeah. I found this to be incredibly stupid on their part because i'm thinking okay these guys are gonna just destroy the robot so you won't and it's honestly a miracle that they don't destroy it right i do really feel bad honestly for chappy uh it makes me emotional to see that happen which is you know kudos to the creators you just to kind of get that emotion out of me creators of the movie but i'm like this doesn't make any sense and he also gets captured by hugh jackman if i'm correct and I thought it was really dumb because they're able to put him to sleep or whatever, shut him down for a minute, whatever you want to right. call it. But they wait till he wakes up to try and take the chip out of him. Why did they wait till he woke up? So there's a lot of things, honestly, wrong with these scenes uh, logically. Yeah, I honestly, I honestly was really confused as to why uh, they dropped Chappie off. I thought that that was really I was. I guess I just didn't catch that they were going to try and teach him something about the real world. Yes. But I guess it makes a lot more sense now. But at the same time, though, it kind of... I guess it's just kind of hard for me to believe that these kids were just randomly provoked to just beat the snot out of Chappie. It is... Although it does make it for a good emotional moment that Chappie is kind of at his low... more of a, One of his more lower moments. And he's, like, running away and he's on fire and all sorts of stuff. And then, of course, Hugh Jackman comes in and takes him and then... Hugh Jackman is Hugh Jackman in this movie, so right. I I understood the scene because yeah, you know you've heard like oh my stepdad dropped me off in the woods and let me find my own way back home or something like that to right. toughen him up and that was a point right. of this. But I'm thinking uh, what he's trying to do is he's trying to show like Chappie like the real world is hard and hateful, so you should hate them back. And he's trying to make Chappie into this hateful being, but it doesn't really work because he's already received some kind of possibly inherent morality. I'm not really clear on that or whether he's yeah. just following orders from Dion because he seems to understand the ramifications of shooting people. Um, but he doesn't understand the ramifications of throwing knives at them, which seems kind of conflicting, I guess. Right. It kind of reminds me of big hero six where death is kind of coded out of the robot uh, in that terms, Baymax, he doesn't kill. And so Hero has to make a, a whole new card or brain, essentially. So that way that is coded in. And of course, we learn a lesson through that movie. But I think it's also kind of similar to this one as well, where he's programmed with that morality, that death, that killing somebody is bad, which I think is really incredibly interesting. And I wish the movie would dive deeper into that idea as to why Dion thinks that that's also bad. And the why he coded it and stuff like that. I think that'd be an interesting concept for this movie. Yeah, I would like to 
think more about that too. I mean, it's possibly because Chappie is self-aware of himself and maybe that would give him a self-awareness of others because animals, I wouldn't say animals are self-aware per se, because if they were, then they would be, they would think and rationalize a lot more than we do. And animals aren't really afraid of death because they can't really understand it. I would say, I would say they're, they don't like pain, but being afraid of death is more so a human concept because then we ca- it calls into questions what's going to happen to us after we die. And that is something that the movie talks about too is what does happen to us after we die. Well, and what would happen to Chappie after he dies? Because it's very clear that Chappie is going to die soon if they don't do something about it. Well, this movie introduces the concept and then seemingly says there's the ability to become immortal yeah. Which I'm assuming that's what, I don't know, the the rest of the human race, we would evolve beyond like biological bodies and we would be able to transport our consciousness into um, machines, if that makes yeah. sense, which is not exactly new. Interstellar kind of briefly touches upon that, like, oh, they're so evolved. And there's other movies where they've been like, oh, we've been sent back in time and we were like, Right. We've evolved past those types of human bodies. We're like this collective machine or something, which is very bizarre to think about. But I think that's something Chappie is alluding to. So it's like maybe you don't go to the next place. The next place could be the next uh, manifestation of your body in this world, if that's possible. Yeah. And I I think this kind of brings up a really interesting ethical question, which uh, now that death is... Like, I remember, I know, I've heard this quote, I forget what movie it's from, but there is this quote that I've heard that essentially says that death is the only thing that we're guaranteed in this life. Mm-hmm. And it kind of brings up what we were talking about, what we're talking about, brings up this question of, should a human even live forever? It's not the matter of can we, but should we? Because I know that's also a big, big ethical question when it comes to philosophy and when it comes, and of course, when it comes to living, living forever or living longer, because I know that the... The average life expectancy, like 300 years ago, was maybe 50, maybe more of 30 or 35 uh, during the Black Death or less than that. And of course, now it's rose to, like, at least here in America, about 75. So the life expectancy is going up and humans are living a lot longer. So I guess one of the questions I think this movie, I think inadvertently brings up is should a human live forever because i know that at the very end we see dion being put into one of the scouts just like chappie is well that's yeah i guess i hadn't really thought about that but i would say the movie seems to suggest that yes you should live forever because they're incredibly afraid of losing each other and of dying so they figured out a way to I guess, preserve themselves on Earth, however long the Earth lasts anyway, forever. They don't need to eat or sleep or do anything. What do you do with that? I don't know. What's the point? I mean, just continue to evolve and evolve, I guess. Um, That seems to be kind of a little bit of a nihilistic philosophy where... There's kind of nothing after death. There's just the void. There's just emptiness. I guess this is all we've got. So figure out how to make the best of it. And that kind of seems to... I guess that that's one possible reading. I don't think... Honestly, I don't think the movie is that deep. 
It really isn't. But like I said, it kind of inadvertently brings up that question. Sure, yeah, of course. It does raise these questions, just like Elysium raised a ton of questions without any answers. It was incredibly shallow. But I do think Elysium also asked this question because we know the we know the inhabitants of Elysium, I guess, ultimately live forever because they could uh, heal their bodies and like rejuvenate themselves somehow. And then they bring that technology to Earth. But then also right. there's just going to be overpopulation like we talked about with all those issues. So it, it raises a lot of issues that need to be addressed. You can't just throw it out there and uh, leave us on a cliffhanger and not really explore them very well which i don't think i don't think this movie i don't know i don't think it's meant to explore these deep issues to me it seems more like what if this happened and it seems more so funny than serious with a lot of this stuff yeah Exactly. And it's also coming from a guy who, like I said before, likes to really think about his movies. This is not a question the film asks really at all. And it's not a question that the film was really, I think, prepared to ask either, because it's not going for that kind of an audience, one that really thinks about these ethical issues and things like that. But it is an interesting question, I think, regardless. So I, I think this is interesting. This is where I wish that this movie was deeper in this kind of a sense, because it is, like you said, just kind of meant to have fun. and It's not really asking these deep questions, but yeah. Honestly, this movie is kind of a modern-day retelling of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, if you think about it. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Uh, Dion is, you know, Victor Frankenstein, the creator, and that's what Frankenstein does. He's able to reanimate and produce a being with a whole totally new being with its own uh, consciousness. Yeah. And what does that mean? What What's their relationship? Uh I think Frankenstein discusses these issues we've been talking about. I think it discusses them better, and it takes more time to explore them. Then again, it's a book, and it's a totally different story. But nevertheless, it's a similar plot idea and structure. Just going to the lighter side a little bit, one of my favorite scenes is the carjacking uh, sequence. Yes, that's really funny. I love the first one when he goes up to the guy and says, like, "You still Daddy's car?" And he like takes the guy and just <laughs> smashes the car and throws the guy across the across the street. It's really really funny. Yes, I love how they use kind of Chappie's childlike reasoning. They use reverse psychology to get him to do things, and I love how they're like, "Run up to him. You don't have to shoot him, but give him a big fright." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna give him a big fright." And you see Chappie just like shaking and getting angry. And yep. I love he yells, don't steal people's things. He says, get out, you alcoholic. <laughs> and, yes. Uh, I love how Chappie, like, drives up in the car and they're like, yo, Chappie, you're a pimp. And he's like, I'm a pimp. I'm a pimp. <laughs> and he just, like, drives off. Yes. This is also one of my more favorite scenes just because it kind of goes to show the, the ignorance of Chappie and just how the uh, criminals can mess with that just to kind of have fun and do what they want him to do. I I think so too. Okay, uh, are you a little shocked and surprised by the amount of looting and rioting that goes on just because the police robots go down? It's total anarchy in Johannesburg. Yeah, this is where I think the movie kind of takes one step too far and it kind of goes for a much bigger picture than I think what the film was really meant to do i don't think it should have gone this far where the entire police force was shut down and uh the entire city is put under uh like anarchy and things like that i think that it went too far with this i don't think and and the best part is it shows this scene and then it completely forgets about it later that is uh yeah that's true 
Um, we don't see any resolution to how this is fixed because he creates anarchy. And I thought the whole way to like stop the anarchy was to d- was to use the moose. Yeah. But we don't see that happening. No, he instead, Hugh Jackman tricks Weaver and he takes the moose and she authorizes it. And then he takes the moose to kill Chappie, I think. Yeah, he said we got to like destroy this abomination. So somehow, I don't know, maybe because they said activate all human police officers maybe that's how it got resolved but it just seems interesting to kind of build to this like massive climax where i don't know there's gonna i don't know it's just weird to introduce this very dark knight-esque scenario where the city's tearing itself apart and we don't really have a villain that seems like he would go that far and instead i don't know this all happens at night but then the the heist happens the next day and then they find Chappie and they track him with the moose. It's it's a really sloppy transition, I think. It really is. And I think that one of my also one of my issues in terms of things being sloppy is I think sometimes the editing is not the greatest in this movie. Right. A key scene is when Jackman approaches Weaver about getting the moose up and running. I think that scene should have came earlier, a lot earlier than it did, because it feel I feel like it would have worked probably ten or fifteen minutes earlier than it would have in the film. And I think that that it would have made the movie flow better as well, because it kind of is jarring to go from uh, shutting down things to Jackman did talking to Weaver about it, because it's a big jump from one scene to the other. I think that it would have worked better if they put it in a different spot. Sometimes the editing also, I think that the cinematography at times looks really good, but at other times it's kind of amateur because with, there are there are times when like people are like standing up and the camera lags behind and it kind of follows them from chest up you know and then and that and that happens a couple of times and then some other times it completely I feel like almost misses the its subject and I feel like this could have done for some reshoots my own personal opinion that's just kind of what I think about especially this ending it kind of goes to show yeah uh, before I say anything about that there is some things that contradict itself with between Sigourney Weaver and Hugh Jackman that I really think I should bring up real quick is when the whole, I don't know, chaos is breaking out in Johannesburg, Hugh Jackman says, let me send in the moose. And she said, no, no way. What? Are you crazy? But right before that, she said, there will be 300 homicides. I'm like, okay, so what's the problem here? (laughs) Send it in. I just, I don't know. Drastic times calls for drastic measures. I don't know. It just comes back to characters and writing where it, a lot of the stuff doesn't make sense. Like she's kind of a terrible CEO and this company oh, should have is. grown. And it, it seems it does seem really small scale. Honestly, this company, this Tetraval, this should be like the biggest company in the world now with what they've been able to achieve. But Dion's like, I've just created like the first sentient artificial intelligence. She's like, I don't care. Okay. Hey, the city's in chaos. We need to uh, get this under control. We have the capabilities to do it. Nah. Okay. <laughs> so what are we supposed to do then? And, and the the issue's never resolved, like you said. Exactly. And then, of course, the security concerns like I brought up later. Yes. Jackman's just able to walk right in and just shut down all the all the scouts. And the USB yes. just there. <laughs> just, exactly. Uh, it, I know. That's a little crazy. How has this not happened before? Honestly, <laughs> if I it's know. this easy, if it's this easy, why hasn't this happened before? 
I agree. I do think what the fight we get at the end is pretty cool, though. Yeah, I think it is cool. Honestly, though, leading up to the moose, I was I kind of at the point where I was just like, okay, can we can we just keep can we can we move on? You know, because yeah. it was starting to get to a point where I was like, like I'm I want I'm kind of ready to be done. Mm. Luckily, this ending fight did kind of spark my interest back again. But yeah, at first I was like, man, I don't know if I totally agree with that. I felt like the pacing was fine. Um, I did, I did really enjoy the fight at the end. It honestly reminded me of the district nine fight though. It did. It absolutely did. We have a very similar looking mech suit type thing. Like the moose and the mech suit in D nine are very similar. I think the explosions looked cool. It was probably the best way they could wrap all of these uh, storylines together because yeah. we, we've got about, I guess four different plot lines going on from beginning to end and i think this is probably the best way is just to have a showdown of all of them together i do think it was really funny when um hugh jackman sees the sentient chappy and he crosses himself like what abomination against god has this man created right and yep. before he uh suits up with the moose he does the crossing of himself also um i do say there is some conflicting technology going on because Hugh Jackman puts on that thing to control the moose but the moose is essentially a drone so it's like he's like like connecting his brain waves or consciousness with it which doesn't make sense yeah I know we mentioned this earlier that essentially the moose is being controlled more by human because a human can rationalize different situations maybe even better than the somewhat ai of the police force but what does he need this like brain cap for because uh chappy will use that later to transfer literally transfer a consciousness into a machine that doesn't make sense yeah this movie definitely has a big theme of what is human consciousness and i do think that that's kind of what the movie is talking about is jackman's consciousness is now in that robot and he's able to control that but that doesn't make sense. Just use it like a, a remote control. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what essentially what it is doing. But then Chappie's also using that since it is controlling the the consciousness for his own purposes. That's kind of what I got out of it. Yeah, I, I guess so. It's not explained very well. I do feel that the emotions that Chappie is giving off in the end of this, I felt like those were well done. There's some Terminator sounding music. There's still funny lines, I think. Uh, awesome use of slow-mo and yeah overall the action is pretty good so i i really gotta say they did a good job with the climax i were you surprised when dion was shot at first i was kind of shocked that he got shot but i was like well that makes a lot of sense because i know we had a conversation about death and things like that mm -hmm. earlier so it only makes sense that dion would get shot and is going to die now and so chappie has to save him and chappie essentially sacrifices himself which he kind of which he kind of learned earlier and that kind of goes to show that even though Chappie was influenced by these terrible by these supposedly terrible criminals who are not very good even the criminals have a sense of dying for their brother or whatever and I thought that was really I thought that was really interesting it even put more character into the criminals that they're that one of them at least is able is willing to sacrifice himself for the good of everybody else i thought that too because it if anything it made sense that ninja was going to sacrifice himself for yolandi but then it was cool because yolandi was like no i'm going to sacrifice myself for you 
And that was pretty brutal, honestly, when she was shot up just like that. Just the way the bullets went through her was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, she's so dead. Yeah, and it was like more impactful than like her body just blowing up or something, just the way she was shot. All of that worked right. fairly well. And Hugh Jackman just went brutal on these people, like ripping their bodies apart, just yeah. eviscerating them with just rain of bullets. I thought, yo, okay. Right. And then, uh, maybe this is even kind of a commentary on human consciousness just in general, because Chappie at this point is clearly showing that he's able to sacrifice himself and that he's very brave. Yeah. But Hugh Jackman, who is kind of, who's controlling this robot through his own consciousness to his mind is showing that he's sadistic and that he's ripping it off. He's ripping apart guys that are bad and are criminals and stuff like that. But it kind of goes to ask question like, do they even deserve that kind of punishment? You know? So I think that's kind of what this ending is kind of saying is this the battle of consciousness is, is what's better. Well, like yeah. A, an artificial consciousness where morality is very much tuned to the way that, that they, that the software is uh, tuned to, or is it human consciousness, which is very, um, more nature driven. And it also undercuts the argument of human morality because yeah. that was Hugh Jackman's big point is like a human's in control. A human will be able to differentiate between right and wrong. Clearly all the power has gone to his head and he's got bloodlust and he's just ripping everybody apart. So then it yeah. kind, of, kind of seems to possibly insinuate the case that a robot would be able to much better differentiate, you know, does the situation call for what kind of force and how is this be, be able to do? And clearly Chappie has more of a sense of well, okay, no, I'm not even going to go there because Dion leads Chappie to where Hugh Jackman is. And then Chappie, I thought Chappie was going to uh, murder Hugh Jackman's character. I mean, this so is I. brutal. He just beats the crap out of him and just, just goes to town pounding away at it. I'm like, okay, this is kind of making me turn against Chappie here. Yeah, but then, yeah, he just maims him. Did it kind of make you turn against Chappie, though? Not really. Honestly, I was like... When he really hurt uh, Hugh Jackman, and essentially it just says that, that Chappie says that that's your, pun that's your punishment for being bad. I was like, that makes a bit more sense. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, maybe a little bit, it kind of makes me go against Chappie, but yeah. It's just hard for me to see this character that I've really come to enjoy just go beat the snot, almost to the point of death, it seems like. Uh, in a really brutal way and he's like now yeah. i forgive you okay that's not how it works <laughs> right no i i agree and and maybe that's just because of his own upbringing is that that's how he handles situations which may of course not even be the best thing either but i think that it's also interesting that jackman was willing to kill him and dion and he yeah. does and that's part of the reason why he was even there in the first place was to do that was to kill Chappie. And when Chappie had the chance to turn that on his head and kill him, he didn't. He just brutally maimed him. But he and he walks off saying now that now I forgive you, which I think is really interesting because like even when given the opportunity and the perfect reason to do so to kill someone, he doesn't. Right. And uh, that's a good point that should be made. But I do think this movie, I don't know, honestly, I thought this was a crazy twist. I was absolutely not expecting it, that they would be able to transfer Dion into the machine, and now Dion is a machine, and he's going to be able to live forever, I guess. I don't know, I was like, this this like went to crazy town. I honestly didn't think it was going there. Right. Um, I do think it's really creative and really interesting. I And I also think, like, when you just, like, think about 
the scene, it's crazy because seemingly a couple days ago, again, timeline issues, Dion is, you know, this young guy who's at the top of his career apparently, and he's figured out how to create sentient artificial intelligence. But then that leads to, it's just like a really crazy like scene. Um, I wish they would have uh, paid more attention to it because I think it could have been really an amazingly shot scene, just like the, the mm-hmm. bedtime story scene. But Dion is laying there bloodied with that thing on his head, and there's like that dead-looking robot also laying next to him. And when they break in, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is really uns- incredibly unsettling, incredibly a disturbing scene. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and it's kind of interesting too because there's a bunch of uh, police force humans behind the door that are breaking in to maybe even kill them because they have, of course, broken in and they've broken security protocol. Finally, some security in this place. <laughs> but yeah, and this is kind of where my question of uh, where I when I asked earlier of should a human even live forever kind of is brought up in this scene. But we don't have to talk about that. Sorry, we already talked about it. But yeah, I do think this is a very, for the creative scene that they that Chappie was able to figure out how to copy someone's consciousness into a robot into one of the police force like robots. I do think this probably whole movie would have been better, more poignant, maybe more powerful. I don't know, storytelling wise, at least. To me, it's kind of like this is kind of like one of those movies where you start off with some crazy event it's like crazy horrible i don't know insane and then it's like four days earlier and then you see like there's such a wonderful peaceful life and then you just see like the progression of how it comes to this because i think that's what this movie does you know like i just said like you would have never thought that dion's choices would have led to him being transferred, him basically dying, being transferred into a robot, Chappie, them starting their own robot race, I guess, if that makes sense, um, of sentient beings. I think that would have been interesting, or I do think it also would have been interesting to open with Dion as a robot, but not know that is Dion. That would be interesting, yeah. And then go back, and then you come back, and then you see Dion as a robot, you're like, oh my gosh, that's... That's Dion the whole time. Like, we had no idea, and that would have put, like, a new perspective on the movie and whatnot. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I also think that's also – I think this is one of the better parts of the movie is when he assembles Mother's robot and then transfers her consciousness into that robot. And so it's like a small family. It's like a, it's like a small family of these, like, robots who are going to live forever. Well, and honestly, I saw – I think it was possible to see – um chappy as the christ figure in a way because he kind of comes to start a new world kind of comes to start this revolutionary way of living and also you know it kind of uh chappy's able to give him a new body kind of this like whole resurrection thing you know this perfect body right so and you could kind of see there's some kind of uh trinity between the two between chappy dion and then the consciousness yeah, in a yeah. way. So I was like, yeah, I think that's a possibility. Yeah, that's I can definitely see that. Also, I'm wondering, is Chappie in the old abandoned District 9? See, that's what I was wondering, too. I was wondering, is this going to go back to District 9, like the opening from District 9 with the uh, the slums and everything? That's what it looked like at first, but then it, it didn't do that. So. It kind of would have been awesome if it would have connected with um, 
Wiccas's story, and we would have saw Wiccas as a prawn or something still living yeah. in District 9 that, I don't know. That's what I was thinking was going to happen, but then it never did. So, yeah, that would be cool if it did. Well, the movie does have an alternate ending where Chappie, Chappie's consciousness is uploaded into all of the robots in Johannesburg and yeah. a number of robots around the world also the documentary is back it ends like it began with a documentary it ends with a documentary where they're talking about like what is this what is this chappy phenomenon what does chappy mean this chappy ai consciousness has taken over everything and the the documentary people fear that ai will destroy humanity and then i guess that will be the next stage of evolution i guess so I do think that's an interesting question posed at the end. I don't like it where um, Chappie is now all the robots and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so they, I do think they made the right choice. But I did like the symmetry of beginning with a documentary and then ending with it. Because otherwise it seemed a little weird to begin with it and then totally drop the whole premise. I, I guess it works. It's fine. It's really not that big of a deal. Yeah, I agree. And it kind of, it's kind of like a District 9-esque style because it begins yeah. with the documentary and then goes into live action and then comes back to documentary style. So yeah, I think that you're, I think that I agree with you. I don't think that that alternate ending would have worked very well. But it's also very Blade Runner 2049-esque too because of, you know, I know in that one in our review we talked about the uh, replicants asking our or no, the replicants saying that we are now more human than humans, and now they talk about that kind of stuff. And then this movie also kind of mentioned, no, the consciousness being better than that. So yeah, I, I do think that that is that's an interesting topic. Yeah, and also I think I just mentioned this a minute ago, but it's connected to District Nine because Dion has become the machine, the outsider, the outcast, and uh, Wickes became the prawn. So very similar storytelling structure between the two but alan what is your rating and recommendation for chappie chappie is it's an interesting movie and i don't know if i mean that in that that word interesting in the best or the worst it's kind of in middle ground of interesting because like we said earlier at the beginning of this podcast this movie brings up a lot of interesting questions and it has really interesting scenes both of our favorites is that scene the bedtime story scene with mom and chappie think that one's one of the one of the best one of the best scenes in the movie or the scene where he paints the car it, these these two scenes that I'm talking about are two of the most interesting scenes in the whole movie because it goes to show uh not only Chappie's ignorance but also how he perceives the world as as well and what he can learn from it and I think that this movie would have benefited from lengthening those scenes and adding in more dialogue and talking and diving deeper into these ideas that it brings up because it brings up these ideas in probably the best way it can but then doesn't go very far with them and I think that that's for me that's kind of a letdown because I really like to think during movies and I really like to see ideas like this brought up and talked about and I wish this movie would have done that but this also at the same time isn't the movie to really do that this movie, as we talked about, is kind of just to have fun and to bring up an interesting an interesting situation that does elicit some discussion, but at the same time doesn't go doesn't take it t itself too seriously and doesn't take it too far. So it 
I don't know. In my own personal opinion, I wish it would have gone far farther than it did. And the fact that it doesn't is kind of saddening, but I understand why it doesn't do that. I think maybe this film would have benefited from a longer runtime where they would have been able to explore those deeper ideas that we would, that we both have talked about that we would really like. So a lot of the characters in this movie, actually, I'll, I'll go on a limb and say all the characters in this movie, like the human characters, are dumb. The That includes Weaver, Jackman, uh, the character, the guy who plays Dion. I think everyone in this movie are, is dumb in their own way and they just don't make good decisions at all. The criminals are the exception because they actually are dumb, but they're dumb for a good reason because they that's how, that's how they grow up and, and things like that and they're criminals. So I wish that this movie had better had better characters. The story at times feels very cliche, especially with Jackman's character. It kind of just goes for that bad guy just because he wants just because he wants what the main character has you know and it at times it comes off as just sadistic and doesn't work for me at all i think that um in terms of the technological aspects i know i was going to talk about this now i understand at the beginning of the movie we see dion make this consciousness.dat file and now for an, an audience's sake yes that makes sense to show this because it shows that Dion has been able to convert that into a string of data and or a or code or whatever. But it, for me, as a computer science major, I kind of see it as I, I kind of see it as a sloppy project because if you have all of your code into one file, then that can cause some serious issues in terms of readability or whatever. But I can bypass that for the audience's sake. One thing I can't bypass though is the fact that Dion was somehow able to figure out how to convert a human consciousness into um into a file and something that a robot can use that's something that that's something that the movie does not explore and i wish it would have because i think that that would have been that would have made it even more interesting but once again this movie doesn't this movie's not made for that kind of thing so overall i think that chappie is an interesting movie and is a pretty fun one me personally i towards the end there before the moose was brought out i was kind of just like can we please just keep going you know can we move on with some stuff because it was starting to get kind of boring in terms of what all it just felt repetitive and it was over and just over and over again but overall i think that chappie is is enjoyable and i think that it may even benefit on some repeat watchings this isn't this isn't one of those movies that you can see i would say you can see more on a second viewing but is one that is still would still be fun on a second viewing i know that you've seen it twice so overall i think i give chappie a, a seven out of ten it's a mild recommend for me it's got some pretty big issues that I know we've definitely discussed more in detail. But yeah, 7 out of 10, mild recommend. Chappie for me is less about the bigger issues of consciousness and artificial intelligence that clearly Neil Blomkamp likes to bring up these issues in all of his movies, but he doesn't really know how to answer them or necessarily explore them very well. I would say he's better at world building and giving the audience a really creative unique science fiction film uh like i i definitely agree with alan i wish that uh these movies district nine did a fairly good job but i wish these movies would at least try it seems like to explore them a little better or give them a little more gravity and depth but to me chappie is more movie about having fun with this 
uh, self-aware robot. Uh, yeah, the big standouts are Chappie and Ninja and Yolandi. That group is just amazing. This They have this crazy hangout, really weird designs, super colorful, not just with their language, but with their clothes and the style of their outfits and body. It's incredibly unique. These are incredibly unique characters that honestly are rarely seen in film this unique. And apparently these people are more real to life than, uh, than they're written, it seems like. So that's the big standout for me is Chappie is more of a movie that is just a lot of fun. Uh, has some really good action in it. Uh, Chappie itself, like the character itself, is just a delight to explore. Uh, which I'm thankful the movie really does spend more time on exploring this robot and what that means. So I do believe these issues are present. I don't believe they're incredibly prevalent while watching the movie. You, They won't like distract you so much like they did with Elysium, where it's just blatantly obvious that there's this issue that is just dropped and not even addressed. Uh, Chappie doesn't do that. If you spend time to think about it like we do, then yeah, it's there. But ultimately, Chappie is just, honestly, it's a really fun movie. So I would definitely return to Chappie. So I'm giving Chappie a 7 out of 10. And it's a high recommend, honestly. Just go check it out. You'll have a lot of fun with it. Um, if you're, I guess if you're offended by language, then this movie's pretty heavy on language, like all of Neil Blomkamp's movies are. But if you're not... I don't know, I guess, easily offended by language, you know, it's just how those characters speak, and this is this is just a story, then, yeah, definitely check Chappie out, because it's a real, it's a, it's a whole lot of fun. I think that's also kind of interesting that Neil Blumkamp, his style in terms of, like, a dystopian future is the main, is the main setting for all three of his movies so far, and... I I kind of want to see where else he can go with that style because it's kind of in the same throughout these three movies, but I really want to see where else he's going to take that because we don't see dystopian very much anymore. And I love that kind of a style, that dystopian futuristic kind of style because I think that that's a little bit more realistic and looks a lot better than the American worldview of a utopia and when that's perfect or whatever. So I think that his style would be interesting to see where else he can go with it instead of sticking with this what with these last three projects that he's done well listeners you are in for a treat then because we are going to do a bonus podcast i know we said chappie would be the final installment but uh during this series we learned that neil blomkamp has created his own studio it's called oats studios it uh operates on youtube you can also i guess buy certain volumes of it through steam which is very interesting that he's doing it that way. And yes, uh, a lot of the things, a lot of the short movies he's been doing, um, they they do seem dystopian, but also he's kind of venturing into some wild, wacky territory, but we're going to save that to discuss in the podcast. I should also make a correction. I said that I saw Neil Blomkamp's short film, Raka. I believe I said that one or two podcasts ago. I don't remember. Well, I haven't seen Raka. I have seen Raw, which... You can forgive me for mistaking the two because I think some of the designs are slightly similar and they kind of sound similar and I know that Raw might be still coming into a movie. I will link to uh, the Raw short film because I believe it's worth watching also. But anyway, 
We will do a short bonus podcast talking about what Neil Blomkamp is doing. It seems like he has gone renegade. He is flouting the uh, theatrical presence, and he's going more for he's going he's doing big screen stuff for the small screen. So I'm really, honestly, I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. Yeah, what he's been able to do because he's he really seems like this is Neil Blomkamp unleashed with no studio interference and whatnot. Uh, but we will be discussing that more uh, fairly soon. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Chappie. Uh, we I had a lot of fun discussing it, and I had a lot of fun uh, revisiting these Blomkamp films. Um, let's go ahead and do that real quick. Yeah, before we close up, what is your order of Blomkamp films? Like from uh, the one you like most to the one you like least? Yeah, and yeah, for me, this is kind of reflective in my... Uh... My ratings. I would have to go District 9 as my favorite, then Chappie, then Elysium. I'm more apt to return to District 9 than I would be the other, these other two, but I think I might return to Chappie in the future sometime, but definitely in that order. And that's funny because that's exactly my order also, just judging off of the ratings and how good a time I had with each of them. Um, I would say just the best film is District 9 then Chappie, and then Elysium. I will definitely return to District 9 in the future, and I will definitely return to Chappie. They're both very different. Um, District 9 is a lot more serious, but the storytelling is, like, so tight, and especially with, with all the themes and everything. But Chappie is, like, so much fun, and it's, like, especially fun to, like, share it with people because it's just, like, a pretty new adventure that you really don't see a whole lot. Uh, honestly, I can almost see myself... Almost probably never returning to Elysium. Um, I just had way too many issues with that movie that it really takes a lot of the enjoyment out. But we will wrap up more with our thoughts on the Neil Blomkamp retrospective and discuss more about Oat Studios in the coming podcast. We want to give a big thank you for uh, tuning in and downloading our stuff. Uh, We're really excited. And uh, make sure to stick with us and promote this to your friends because we do have a lot of exciting changes coming for 2018. We're going to do a lot more with the podcast. We're going to offer a lot more content. Uh, We're not going to reveal those plans right away. We're still in the process of working on those plans. But uh, we're really hoping that we can get a silver screen guide out there more into people's hands And uh, we love discussing films, and we love engaging with you guys and discussing it with you as well. So we do want to say thank you. Make sure to uh, subscribe on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit. So make sure to share that with your friends. Also, for those of you who are old school and still like email, which is me, uh, make sure to subscribe to the email because that will give you a lot of details uh, that social media doesn't always necessarily um the weekly newsletter gives you all of gives you everything in nice one clean package and lets you also connect to social media through there but also lets you know what is coming up for the future and we just uh want to say thank you again uh, joining us on this retrospective and we look forward to coming back with a new bonus episode uh we hope you guys enjoy that surprise as much as we do and don't forget that next week is also it's a wonderful life that's our christmas special coming out on christmas day i'm really excited for that one i've seen it a few times and i love that film to death so i'm really excited to see where our conversation takes us for that one that's right listeners this will actually be our very first podcast for a classic movie review 
-hmm. We are incredibly excited to bring you, yeah, a beloved Christmas film. And that will be coming out on Christmas Day. So when you got some downtime, just pop on the podcast, listen with your family, and just enjoy It's a Wonderful Life. But until then, listeners, we look forward to next time. Right. I was kind of wondering if it was if the uh, the guy who did the mocap was possibly Andy Serkis, because I know he does like everything mocap now. He's like the master. I did not know that. I know. Um, yeah, Andy Serkis. He's the guy who did uh, the oh, the yes. apes. From you Planet said of the Andy Serkis. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You said Andy Serkis. I did know that, listeners. I know that the mic just cut out, so I missed it. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure it helps him. Uh, what I'm trying to say. I'm sure now that it's. Uh, what was I trying to say? I don't remember. Just go on. I'll pull it out. <laughs>